Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of An American F1 Podcast, hosted by At F1 Idiots. I'm your host, Brendan Klein, and we are at the halfway point of the 2022 Formula One season. And, you know, usually at the halfway point, you start getting a lot of these podcasters and bloggers writing grade levels for each team. And really, I'm not here to do that. My goal is to not really give a grade for each team because... I feel like that's so arbitrary and people would just argue, but rather what I'm going to do for this halfway point, one, we got to get excited because we do have the French Grand Prix coming up, starting what would be the second half of our 2022 F1 season. Now, typically the French Grand Prix at the Circuit du Pau-Ricard is not one of the greatest venues, I guess people feel for racing, you know, but To be fair, last year's race was a complete banger, so I'm pretty excited for the French Grand Prix. Not really going to talk about it yet. Going to dive into what the halfway point of the 2022 Formula One season is looking like. And, you know, for as much as the hype was for the beginning of the season, I think a lot of people had high hopes for a lot of teams. And what really strikes me off the bat is that I think two of the teams that at least I feel people had high expectations for, that being Aston Martin and that being Williams, have just epically disappointed. Now, to Williams' credit, I will say that Alexander Albon has been performing adequately in that car. And, you know, one thing I was saying is what's really cool about this year is a lot of the drivers in new places. So the drivers that made switches to new places, talking about George Russell, talking about Kevin Magnuson, talking about Valtteri Bottas, Zhou Guan Yu entering. Those drivers that made those switches, I think it's safe to say that at the halfway point of this season, those drivers have not only met expectations, but in some regards exceeded expectations, especially if we're talking, first of all, Valtteri Bottas at Alfa Romeo. I think people thought that, you know, Valtteri was going to be they're leading the team, but kind of guiding them through almost like, you know, we've seen drivers do in the past with some lesser teams, maybe like uh, Grosjean to Haas, you know, where Magnussen is to Haas, but, you know, kind of guiding them through these tough waters. But that alpha is quick and Valtteri has been, you know, nailing some top six finishes, consistent point finishes. He's been a beast in qualifying. And the only thing that's really brought him down this year would be the reliability of that Alfa Romeo. And it's unfortunate, but I think Valtteri has been a really nice fit at Alfa Romeo. And if that's one unique takeaway from this first half of the season is of those drivers that have switched places, I think Valtteri and George, ironically, you know, you know, George taking Valtteri's seat, it's almost like Valtteri is thriving at Alfa Romeo. He is, and he's finding his form. And I think You know, having a little less pressure, not having that pressure of having to perform like you would at Mercedes is most definitely benefiting him. And I think he's been quite a good mentor to Zhou Guan Yu as well. So really liking that Alfa Romeo uh, combination. And, you know, speaking of new drivers, not necessarily a new driver in a new place, but a new driver overall, Zhou Guan Yu, you know, for his rookie season, he has been performing really well. And The only unfortunate thing with him is just he can't seem to have 
any luck. I mean, it's either a reliability issue, an accident that's not his fault. But when he puts together a complete race weekend, when everything goes right with that team, he also is performing well. He hasn't, you know, other than his accident, his spectacular accident at Silverstone, which wasn't really his fault. Other than that, and I believe he had a little accident too at um, Imola. But other than that, you know, he's performed quite well. So I think it's safe to say that Zhou Guan Yu is well deserving of an F1 seed. And if that's one takeaway, I also think that Zhou Guan Yu is one of the best rookie drivers as of late. He's performed more than adequately. I think he's probably one of the best rookie drivers since Lando or George Russell. Speaking of George Russell, at Mercedes, right? New driver, new place. George Russell at Mercedes. Dude has absolutely been crushing it. I mean, you know, other than his results, uh, other than his incident at Great Britain, I mean, he's been performing really well in that Mercedes as well, hitting a few podiums, you know, consistently finishing in the top six. So George Russell also performing really well considering everything going on with Mercedes. And, you know, Mercedes overall has been one of those teams, you know, talking these new regulations, one of the important themes has almost been damage limitation, you know, with reliability issues, with porpoising issues, with bouncing issues. Mercedes has managed uh, what I would call damage limitation and has at, less, has, at less, has at least kept it close in the constructors battle where I'm not saying they're out of it, but... They're solidly in third. If Ferrari continues to have reliability issues, maybe Mercedes can sneak up to second. I really don't think that we'll see that championship battle tighten up more. I don't think George or Lewis can really sneak in there, but you never know. There are significant amount of points to gain, and you never know which way the development race can go. But at the moment, I think it's safe to say that Max is really locked in and really does have full control of this championship battle but anyway the other driver that is in a new place or i guess really an old place how about kevin magnuson and i know we've talked about this before but kevin magnuson man the way kevin magnuson was able to hop in an f1 car new regulations hasn't been in the sport for over a year hops in the car and drives exceptionally well so props to kevin magnuson that's one of the coolest things i think about this year like you know one of the biggest things people speculate is when there's a new driver in a new place like alex albon who's performing exceedingly well at williams like kevin magnuson like george russell like valtteri Bottas. there's always that question mark will they adapt to that new situation will that car be a fit for them will they be able to drive it will they Will they match the expectations of the team that hired them? And all those drivers, I think it's safe to say, have met their expectations. And that's contrasted with drivers who went to new places that are still struggling this year. And, you know, I know I mentioned it earlier, but Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel, that week in and week out, I think is one of the more painful things to watch. I... I don't know how Seb can deal with that for another year. I mean, that guy has been through the ringer since, uh, you know, his successful years at Ferrari, obviously being a champion at Red Bull. And then, you know, the big switch to Ferrari and, you know, Seb had his moments at Ferrari. He had his championship battles and, 
then, you know, Charles Leclerc entered the scene and it, things kind of changed. And, you know, since his Ferrari decline and going to Aston Martin, it's just been a slow plateau for Sebastian Vettel. I wouldn't say a decline, but it's just been a plateau. It's been stagnant. And if I'm Sebastian Vettel, I'm wondering, you know, how long can I really stay with this team? You know there's a goal. You want to see this team competitive. It, the, the team, Aston Martin, especially with the way Racing Point ended, you know, basically with the Sergio Perez victory, it ended on a winning note, essentially. And, you know, going into that next season, there were a lot of high hopes for Aston Martin. And, yeah, Sebastian had his podium at Baku and technically had a podium at Hungary last year with not for a fuel issue. But, you know, it's just... It seems like Aston Martin, for all the resources they have, for all the money, for all the investment they're putting in, the results just, the speed, the pace just isn't there. And again, if you're Sebastian Vettel, you're probably wondering, like, how long can I stand to do this? Like, how much is this team going to improve, first of all, in the second half of this season? And if they improve, is it worth it to stay for 2023? So I think Sebastian Vettel, honestly, in my mind, has got to be one of the biggest question marks for next year because I just don't know how long he's going to be willing to stick it out with this team. And, you know, really probably one of the most biggest disappointments of the last two years has has got to be Aston Martin and the fact that they just don't have the performance that I think many people expected them to have. I mean, they sit right now ninth in the constructors week in week out they're struggling even to make it into q2 so it's it's really difficult to watch aston martin struggle and sebastian vettel struggle like that and like i would say i think of the 2022 season that's got to be one of the biggest disappointments and i'm thinking the second disappointment of the season and you know looking at it on face value they're fourth in the constructors right now which honestly is kind of mind-blowing mclaren being fourth in the constructors i know lando has had some great performances but i mean daniel ricardo still not getting a handle of that mclaren and you know in daniel's defense lando has also come out recently and explained how difficult that mclaren is to drive i mean we saw the guy giving the middle finger to the car itself during the race so we know it's a difficult car to drive we know it's not fun for those drivers it doesn't really fit Daniel Ricardo's driving style, which I guess we could say is a little more aggressive, a little more late breaking. And, you know, he just hasn't been able to get a full hold of that McLaren. And it's been, uh, you know, an up and down ride with that team from the highs at Monza to the lows probably this year at Bahrain was one of their lowest moments. But they just sometimes don't seem to have the pace. Sometimes they do. They're just a weird constructor. And it's really a shame that Daniel Ricardo isn't getting more out of that car and I feel like he can. I feel Daniel Ricardo is not done. He's not finished. I'm not ready to say that Daniel Ricardo's career is over as an F1 driver. I'm not ready to call him a bad driver, an overrated driver because man, that guy had his moments. We're talking about a guy who has finished third in the championship sometimes. So Daniel Ricardo has the talent and honestly, I, and I know I like Daniel Rick, but I'm not willing to give up on him just yet. I feel like there is more to him with this car. We've seen when that car is on his form, he can get that car 
in the top six on pure pace, like in Austria. Uh, Austria. Wow, why do I always mix up those two countries? Like in Australia, he finished top six. He had a great run. I know that was his home track. He was booted by that confidence. But I got to say, Daniel Ricciardo, probably one of the second biggest disappointments of the 2022 season. Just basically because of the fact that, you know, like we're talking about, when drivers switch teams, I think there was a lot of hope for Daniel Ricciardo going to McLaren. And, you know, it's basically been, in a way, in a way, Sebastian Vettel's plateau is a mirror of Daniel Ricciardo's. You know, Daniel Ricciardo, you know, with the highs at Red Bull, goes to Renault, actually had a little bit of a resurgence at Renault too, right? Two podiums in that last season with the team. A lot of good performances in that 2020 season. And, you know, then he makes a shock announcement to go to McLaren. And I think there was a lot of hope for that McLaren team as well with Lando Norris on there. You know, they were a team that looked like they're on a rise. They have the right resources. Again, I always like to talk about how I think Zach Brown is a great mind, a great CEO mind. I mean, he's done a lot of great work on the IndyCar side. Uh, You know, they're getting involved in everything. They're in Formula E now. So, or they're going to be in Formula E. And, you know, they're messing around with all these contracts. And... You know, I think Zach Brown knows what he's doing. I think he knows his expectations. I think Andres Seidel, you know, is a great mind as well. And I think it's a matter of just getting everything in the right order and putting the right pieces together. And for McLaren, it's very frustrating to watch because we would have thought by now, you know, you saw 2021, Daniel Ricciardo wins at Monza. Lando has his chance at Saatchi. Blows it. Arguably, due to a tough weather call, you know, not his fault directly, but, you know, really had that chance for a victory. And you're looking at a team in McLaren that you say, okay, this team is on the up and up. Maybe they'll be battling for drivers' championships. And it just goes to show you how Formula One can be so particular. You know, you have to hit it right. And when the top teams are on, they are on. When Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes are on, they are on, and it's hard for these other teams to claw their way back in. But I know we want to see a McLaren back at the top. You know, one of the great historical teams of F1 history. And, you know, they're in fourth solidly in this Constructors, but it would be so cool to see just a Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes battle. I want to see at least four teams, three to four teams battling consistently for wins and consistently for a championship. But yeah, um, you know, McLaren week in, week out is one of those teams that are very finicky. And another team that I think has a lot of potential and it's just, again, reliability is Alpine. The Alpine on certain race weekends, thinking back to Australia, for example, even in Austria this past race weekend, Fernando Alonso had some pace. Esteban Ocon finished in fifth. They had some pace, that Alpine, and I am really high on Alpine. They are a team that is very quick. They have great racers. I think Esteban and uh, Fernando Alonso are a great pairing, and I think that team together, when they are on, they can be quick. We've seen evidence of Alpine being quick. And it's just a matter of them getting the reliability straightened out. And 
I think really Fernando Alonso is going to stick with that team because I think you can see, I, I just don't see Fernando leaving just yet. I think he might give one more season ago. That's my bold prediction. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see Fernando leaving quite yet because I feel like Alpine is on that verge. Like if there was a team that I would say in the second half of this year, if we see a team outside of Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes winning a race, I think it would actually be Alpine over McLaren. I have more faith in an Alpine winning a race than I do a McLaren. I think objectively speaking, or I guess subjectively, subjectively speaking, my opinion, subjectively speaking, I really think that Alpine is a better car pace-wise than the McLaren. And if there was anybody that could steal, I know they don't really have a podium to prove it, but I think if there's anybody that could steal a race win, I think it could be Alpine. And I honestly think it could be with Fernando Alonso. The guy still has it for his age. That guy can still wheel a car. And we've seen evidence of how he can just wheel that car around and Really, these great moments of racing, even as a 40-year-old, it is so amazing that Fernando Alonso, I feel like he can go forever. He's one of these, like, ageless guys in Formula One. But, yeah, I feel like if anybody outside of Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes are going to steal a win, it's going to be Fernando Alonso with Alpine. I really think that car has a lot of potential. So, that's one of my other, like, on the borderline could be a great team needs to tighten up a few little things see what happens in the second half we do have the summer break coming up too as well so be interesting to see if any of these teams can you know turn it around the other team i think that has been a pleasant surprise this year and nobody's going to deny this is Haas f1 listen Haas f1 totally tanked last year obviously for budgetary reasons developing the car reasons and I do think, and I know there's been some accusations of copying with Ferrari or borrowing or, you know, like idea exchange with Ferrari, but I do think that Haas F1 team has been a pleasant surprise, and I think a lot of people are enjoying what they're seeing from Haas F1. And, you know, for a team, if you're looking at the week-in, week-out upgrades, for a team that really hasn't brought too many upgrades since the beginning of the season with, I believe, Haas's next big upgrade is coming at France. I might be wrong. It's either France or it's Hungary. But I thought I heard that they're bringing a significant upgrade to France. It's interesting to see how they've survived and held on and have gotten points finishes, including double points finishes, even with that car not being the most updated, most upgraded throughout the season. I mean, there have been other teams like Alpine, like McLaren, like Mercedes, like Ferrari, like Aston Martin, like even Williams bringing week in, week out upgrades or at least significant upgrades at different points of the season. And Haas has been, you know, kind of just quietly maintaining with what they have. I mean, I think they've brought like maybe a few little upgrades here or there, but none of the major upgrade packages like we've seen with Aston or Williams. And they've been strong. They've been, you know, surviving. They've been, you know, I don't want to say thriving, but they are right in that mix for that sixth place realistically in that championship battle it would take a lot to get up to fourth but you know they are right there in that points battle which I think also goes to show you a lot of people were critical about 
the new regulations for 2022, especially, you know, they watch the first couple of races and they're like, I don't see what's so special. The racing looks the same. And I'm going to counter that. I think if you've been watching the battle at the front, yes, the battles at the front, we haven't had too many exciting battles at the front. I think, you know, uh, Austria was one. Silverstone, we kind of had it. Montreal, we did. But and, and Bahrain, I think we had a little bit. But that was more due to, you know, reliability issues. And Saudi Arabia, too. So we've had a lot of actual good races at the front. But I think a lot of people, I don't know if it's recency bias or it's just, you know, um, not looking at the full picture of the races. But I think we've had week in and week out, I would say mostly with the exception of some tracks we've had a lot of good midfield battles and i think that's one thing the regulations have done is allow for some more passing opportunities obviously we still see the need for drs i don't think we should want that to go away anytime soon i would like to see less drs assisted passes but overall i think the racing has been quite good especially in the midfield and the other goal of the regulations was to, and you know, the budgetary caps and things like that, was to, in, um, you know, give some parity to the sport and you know make things more equal. And if we look at fourth on through eighth, at least in the championship battle of the constructors, it's close. It is a close battle in that constructors championship, and you know, with teams like Alpine. McLaren and Alfa Romeo fighting for, you know, fourth in the constructors. We have Haas fighting for Alfa also in sixth. And we have points still from Alfa Tauri, Aston Martin, and the Williams. So every team has scored points. Every driver that is full-time, with the exception of Nicholas Latifi, has scored points. So to say that the new regulations aren't working, I think is a little of an over-exaggeration. I think they have increased somewhat the competitiveness of the racing. Of course, when we're looking at front, it's a wide open battle, really. Like I said before, Red Bull Racing, Ferrari, pretty much in control of first and second with Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz, basically, well, not even, I would say it's more Max, Charles and Sergio, really still in that championship battle. But, you know, Still a lot of tightness in that top six. I would venture to say that anybody from fourth, uh, you know, honestly, even from Sergio on down to Lewis, I would say that is still up for grabs too. There's only 40-something points that I'm going to be bad at math here. Uh, there's only about, I think, 39 points that really separate Sergio Perez from Lewis Hamilton. So, I mean, realistically... I still think it's anybody's game. Yeah, 42 points. Sorry, I'm, I'm so bad at math. 42 points only separates Sergio Perez down onto Lewis Hamilton. So, you know, depending on how the development battle goes the second half of the season, that top six, I don't think, I really don't think Max Verstappen is going to lose this championship. But you never know. There are a lot of points up for grabs the second half of the season. But I will venture to say that from at least third on down to six, it is anybody's game. And really that top two, anybody's game as well. So I think the championship battle is still wide open. And, uh, you know, it really depends if it's in Red Bull's hands. Red Bull arguably or unarguably 
There's no denying Red Bull controls their destiny. And it's going to come down to reliability. Can Ferrari maintain a car that's fast and reliable? Will Red Bull have any DNFs? Will Max Verstappen have any DNFs? Because realistically, one DNF, if Charles Leclerc has a great race and Max has a DNF, and we've seen it turn around two for Ferrari at the beginning of this year, this championship battle could tighten up that second half of the season. And, you know, there's no guarantees that just because Max is leading at this halfway point that he's going to win. My gut feeling is that he will because Red Bull has been quite consistent. Is there a chance this championship battle does technically come down to the last race? I think so. But it all really depends if Red Bull is going to be consistently fast, if Ferrari is going to maintain a competitive showing week in and week out. They can't have the reliability issues they've had. They can't have their engines exploding like Carlos Sainz did the other day. I mean, that those mistakes are devastating points-wise. And, you know, it's interesting to see, too, what is a real wild card is if Mercedes can develop a car that starts to battle for wins, how is that going to affect second and third? How is that going to affect Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen? How is that going to affect that Red Bull Ferrari battle? Because Mercedes has the chance here. And if you're Mercedes, you got to maybe revel in it a little bit. You have the chance not only to move up in the Constructors' Championship, move up in the Drivers' Championship, but you arguably have the chance to... And I'm not saying play spoiler in the fact that, like, you know, taking out Max Verstappen. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want to see that. But you have the chance to really play spoiler and mess some things up for Red Bull. And if you really wanted to, if if your car becomes this competitively fast car, you could throw wrenches into Red Bull's plans. You don't give them control strategy anymore. And you never know, that could lay into benefits for Ferrari. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this development battle and if Mercedes is developing their car to the point where it can battle for wins week in, week out. And that's going to add another wrench into this championship battle. So, yeah, overall, this second half of the season, I've been enjoying it. And I know we have to take 2022 into some perspective. Because, obviously, last year, 2021, was one of the greatest F1 seasons probably in history. It goes down, arguably, as one of the best ever since the beginning of Formula One racing. Of course, it didn't end in the greatest of ways. But 2021, we were treated to almost week in, week out, edge of your seat racing. 2022 hasn't so much been that. But I still think that the quality of racing has improved for this 2022 season. And it's not something that you know people should... Uh, really hate on too much i i really have been enjoying the races this year have there been some boring races yeah but i mean that's just kind of part of the nature of f1 you're not gonna get an exciting race week in and week out we know that you know when you have seasons like that you gotta you gotta cherish them you gotta take them for you gotta take them for granted because you're not gonna get those all the time 
But overall, I think what we've seen in 2022, we've seen a variety of drivers getting points. We've seen surprising drivers succeed. We've seen surprising teams succeed like Alfa Romeo, like Haas. So we're seeing a competitive season. The only other thing I think that we would like to see is a team outside of, you know, Red Bull, Ferrari, or Mercedes winning. I think we'd like to see an Alpine, a McLaren sneak in a victory there. And I think those are really, more realistically, the two teams that could pull off a surprise victory. It would take a lot of luck for an Alfa Romeo, maybe to sneak in a win. But it'd be really cool to see more podiums from different teams as well. So... I still think all that is on the table. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm looking forward to the rest of this 2022 season. Looking forward to seeing more exciting races. We're going to have the summer break coming up, which is going to be hard to get through. But if there's one thing, I'll talk more about the summer break when we get to it. But, you know, there are tons of things you can watch on F1 TV. I'll talk about those probably during the summer break because I don't want to ruin that now. I love watching those videos, though. There are so many good things. Um... But yeah, so looking forward this week, we have tomorrow, we have racing the French Grand Prix. Looking forward to some competitive racing. Supposedly, Mercedes is going to be quick. They have a few couple of tenths. Maybe we'll see. Maybe, just maybe, maybe we'll actually see the convergence of some of these teams. And we'll see a tighter battle between Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes. And we're going to get the second half. I'm feeling it, guys. Starting with France. Tomorrow, FP1, we are going to see close battles between the Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes. Calling it here first, we're going to see a surprise victory from Fernando Alonso or Alpine this year. And that's my bold predictions for the second half of the 2022 season. Not really that bold, but those are my at least two biggest bold conclusions, predictions. Excited for France. Europeans, please stay cool. It's hot here too in New York. We're going through our own heat wave. Please stay cool. Drink water. Stay hydrated. Everybody else that's listening, enjoy. Get ready for the second half of the F1 2022 season. It's been a great season. Looking forward to an even better season coming up for the second half. Thank you. Be sure to follow me at an American F1 on Twitter. Follow our website, our blog at F1 Idiots. Also on Twitter at F1Idiots.com. Okay, so follow us. At F1Idiots, F1Idiots.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy your race weekend.